Perspectives YYC is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The APN was built by Karen Unland, whose only purpose in life seems to be to grow and support local podcasts. Podcasts like Ed, Conversations About the Teaching Life. A podcast for teachers by teachers, hosted by Shane Lawrence. A friend of mine in Toronto, Maple if you want to be specific, Jeff Ruggiero, was actually interviewed once about being a librarian and the modern tropes that that role brings. I was still stuck in the mid-80s and 90s, horn-rimmed glasses and stamp cards, but they vibe on technology, 3D printers, and just general awesomeness. Check that out at theedpodcast.podbean.com, or for more fascinating Albertan podcast information, get on the Alberta Podcast Network at www.albertapodcastnetwork.com, or on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at albertapodnet. Welcome to Calgary Culture, the Perspectives YYC podcast, a series of conversations with a series of local creators as we try to get serious about culture here in Calgary. Have you ever wondered what goes on in the mind of a hip-hop artist? I have, and I got the opportunity to sit down with AYE, local musician, producer, rapper, sensation, and father. We get into modern culture and what he believes to be a lost concept, soul food, history, family, your roots, versus what he describes as the fast food generation, quick hits and no substance. Do you agree with AYE? Listen to his album that's blowing up on Spotify, Soul Food, the Autobiography. Then hit me up with your thoughts both on his perspective and his music. Hit a like, subscribe, share, and get involved. Culture doesn't come from standing by, but from interacting, interchanging, and participating with each other. Check AYE out on Spotify, Instagram, under I am AYE, on Facebook, or just Google the dude, a.y.e. Started, see where it ends up. Okay, so um, AYE, maybe I'll ask you that. How did we meet, man? How did we meet? We met um, randomly. Good friend Wayne was like, Yo, man, you want to premiere this video on a wall? And um, <laughs> he said, Yeah, well, frick, sure, let's do it. I haven't really heard anybody in the city doing that, and it's kind of unique. So, nice to be met on. I just, I don't know, what was it? It was like a little chilly night. Fuck, dude, it was like minus 35 or some shit. <laughs> Stephen Ave. Premiering uh, this video downtown. Yeah, it was, it was quite the unique uh, interaction. Yeah, it was fun, man. I, I got this weird job opportunity to do what they call guerrilla marketing and yeah. broadcast commercials on the side of the building. But the boss, the guy that hired me, was like a super awesome guy. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him, I was like, you know, you're giving me this huge projector. Can I just do whatever I want with it? And he was like, yeah. 
That's awesome. So then I talked to Wayne. He said he was working on, on that debut for you. Oh my. Yeah. We shot it on the side of the RBC building. Yeah, that was sweet. Dude, it was fun, man. Yeah. I wish it wasn't minus 40 and we actually had like a bit know, of a little, but to be honest, the way it went down was, I wouldn't take it back. I think it was cool. I think like the few people that shared, we shared that moment with was cool. It wasn't like we were out there in the blistering cold, just with our fingers falling off. We had a little bit of warmth and like there was some people walking around and there was some interaction, some connection. So I think it was a good, good success. I'm still working on the idea of a projector in general, just as a side note, but mm -hmm. when you do it legitimately, it's a pain in the ass. And then those things cost a lot of money. For right. Properly. Ball blown, it's a couple thousand, all that, yeah, it's expensive. Well, I was happy that you said yes, which is also, I think, an important part of that little stories uh, that you just let us do it, which is cool. It was, yeah, spon definitely spontaneous mm. on the fly, and I think that was a cool thing about it as well, right? <laughs> Tell me about yourself. Are you, uh, are you Calgary? Are you from here? I'm born in Calgary, somewhat raised in Calgary. I grew up in Vancouver and Montreal, and then uh, came back here. So Calgary's always been home. We moved around a lot, so it's like you get some friends and boom, you're gone again. But uh, it was nice. It was a good opportunity to just like see what Canada was all about. Vancouver is definitely a cool place to live. It has that eclectic vibe, very, you know, vibrant type of city. And then Montreal is a little different, more traditional, more classic, and, but very multicultural as well, I'd say. Like how long are you spending at each of these places? I spent in Vancouver like two, two, three years maybe. Like how old are you? Are, like I'm, are you a kid or are you? Like yeah, I think adult? I moved there when I was like three or four. Right. Left when I was like about twelve. So yeah, a few years in elementary. Montreal was about 12 to I think 14, 15. It's cool, they held me back because I didn't speak any French. Wow. So that was cool. Came back to Calgary, had to do like redo a grade, but it was actually cool. So I was like that 18 year old in like grade 12, getting liquor and all that nonsense. But uh, every city has its own like unique vibe to it. All of this sort of thing that you've been going through, is it? I mean, how does it relate to your art and to your music? Do you, do, do you always been interested in arts and music throughout all of this sort of uh, migration through Canada? Or yeah, really for me, the music stemmed from like my dad. Like my dad's been like a major like anchor and like person that like inspired me musically. Yeah, when I was younger, it's like rehearsals in the basement, you know, doing live shows. So I don't know when you see your dad on stage and you see that you just I don't know I just was, like had this spark I guess this flame it just kind of manifested and nurtured itself from that I actually just started playing my little kid instruments to getting like my first eight track recorder dad's friend who he was doing music with like was a producer so he had all this gear and like he was the first person I ever recorded like a record with me and my brothers we like we did like a reggae track when we were younger just just exploring right from there I played keys in my dad's band when I think I was about 16 just after that I started producing for myself, my brother and my sister had a little hip hop group that we were like doing in high school, junior high. Awesome. So yeah, I don't know, music's always just been around. Yeah. 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 Is it, so what did your, I mean, talk, talk to me about your dad, like what, 
What did he used to do? I mean, he's clearly a professional musician, or? He was very, like, well-known in Western Canada in terms of, like, the reggae facet. So they opened for many, yeah, legendary acts and international acts. I think they opened for Burning Spears. They opened for Culture, some pretty international. If you know your reggae, you know some of these names. Half Pint, like, and they're backing them up, too. So, yeah, shared the, shared the stage with many, like, legendary acts. And so, like, yeah, they just would tour the West Coast, and um, they had a couple projects, albums that they put out. Where so, they, where's your Where's your family from? My mom is from Guyana, and then my dad is from Nevis. Nevis and St. Kitts, it's like a little island. St. Kitts, I've heard of Nevis. Yeah, so it's St. Kitts and Nevis. So Nevis is a little, little island, not very, you know, popular. It would be St. Kitts over in Nevis. Uh, he did his little migration thing, went to Detroit, States, and then came up to Canada. And then him and his friend just started this reggae band. Started in Montreal, actually, Toronto, then they came out here. It's funny, I actually did an interview not too long ago, and this guy mentioned, he's uh, like, oh yeah, like I hear your dad's like a, a reggae legend around here. <laughs> and I had to chuckle for a minute there. It's like, reggae legend, okay. Uh, and I had to call my dad and like chuckle with him a little bit about it. Like they're calling you a legend out here. What would you say? I mean, not to probably spend too much time on this, but you know, the role of music then in your family. You know, sometimes when you hear stories of people that have musicians in their family, it becomes a bit formal or resentful or overly structured or whatever. But, mm. but I mean, not just your your dad being a reggae legend. <laughs> but uh, that you and your siblings had a hip hop group. I mean, there's fun there too. I mean, what what is that like? Is it is it something that's involved in a theory level? Are you guys learning music from like a formal sense? Or is no, it just part no, of it was just part of the family. We ha had no, I have like. I'm playing keyboards now in like my own band and like I've had no formal training whatsoever. No lessons, no teacher. And so what we were doing it was just, yeah, like just practicing, producing, you know, just clicking things. It was that age where it was all about FL Studio. So I just started there. Yeah, I would just write a little rap here and there, go try and go perform it. Um, and then from there, you know, just brotherly, sisterly drama. And, oh, yeah, you know, you do, you want to do it your way, that way. So I ended up just going to do my own thing. And, and, yeah, so so, be, so it went and... There'll be a reunion, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> little reunion tour. I got to yeah. talk to everybody. We have to get their money right. Uh, make sure it's worth it for everybody. But no, yeah, it was a fun experience. Like, it definitely, like, my brother does his own thing as well now. My sister doesn't really do anything musically, although I always bug her every now and again to, like, hop on something. So even, like, this, this Soul Food or the audio biography, she's on a record called Give Thanks. So That's my favorite track. I like to stay in-house and, like, not really... I feel like I have to go and work with some big top name person to like know, like, you know what I mean? Create or solidify myself as an artist or musician or whatever the case may be. So it's always been family oriented. Are you guys uh, inner city or in the burbs? Where are you guys growing up? Like in Calgary, anyways. Calgary, where do we grow up? Uh, we grew up in Northwest, like varsity. Also, I guess I don't know if that's not burbs. No, no, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like inner outskirts of the inner city. Yeah, it's close enough to this inner city. When I was younger, I grew up in Castle Ridge, just the Northeast. So yeah, pretty, pretty in, inner city, I guess. Yeah. No, like not to, uh, I don't know. I mean, as somebody from uh, I, I, you know, from Toronto, I'm Korean, you know, 
And like you brought up already, going to other Canadian cities and seeing actual multiculturalism, not mm -hmm. to be a hater, but mm -hmm. like, it's different. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. So, you know, what do you think that's like for you growing up, you know, as a black man in this family? Mm -hmm. Reggae, ska, hip hop, family that wants to do music for fun. Growing up in Calgary. Yeah. Right? In the early mid 2000s, whenever presumably this is. You know, how does that influence how you become a musician, <laughs> musician right? Like, uh, it, I think it had an. Like when I first started, this talk or topic definitely came up and it was like, you know, how do you stand out or how do you create something where, you know, this line of thing is just totally like, you know, overlooked. It's not established because there's not enough people to establish it. I was unique. I think for me, I kind of like being that diamond in the rough, the underdog. So like Calgary isn't like super heavily musically inclined, but I don't mind trying to be that person to like break through or, you know, rep the city or put it on my back and be like, okay, yeah, Calgary is more than you know, stampede and you know, redneck cowboy, you know, type vibe. I think I, I like to I like to look at it as a negative, but flip it and turn it into a positive. But it is different. You can't. It's not a huge demographic for one, and then there's not a huge platform or for opportunities. Although now, through different facets, it's grown. You know, I think we're in a place now where you don't need much to kind of create something. And if it's something cool and unique, people will buy with it. It's just that Calgary isn't like, yeah, it's not overly multicultural. So I, I do believe like, you know what I mean? I was talking to somebody else. <clears throat> this might be veering off a little bit, but just like something how like Calgary only really has the stampede. Like if we had some of these other festivals or things that we could create more of like this distraction or traffic with these cultural areas, like, and if Calgary put that same amount of money and love that they do to Stampede, I feel like it would create more of a city vibe. Don't Calgary's only popping with Stampede and it's just like everything else is just like, okay, that's cool. But like, you know, Stampede happens and it's like, it's everywhere. It's like, you know, it takes over the city. Whereas if you had a couple different types of multicultural festivals like that, I think it would be definitely something that could help create more of a vibrant city multiculturally but hey yeah, it's an interesting thing in calgary I, you know i've only been here i mean it's a long time it's seven years so mm -hmm. uh, my window is like 2012 and then when my life falls apart and goes to shit, and then i start actually trying to plug into the city i got a lot of living here mm -hmm. Uh, when I'm plugged into the city, I mean, Sled Island, for example, you had a big year this year, in my opinion, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. taking pictures of Rhapsody. <laughs> you know, there's something going on. And I'm meeting guys like you and women and, and you know, all of these folks, these incredible creators in the city that there's this, uh, there's this, yeah, vibrance, this energy, this wanting. People, whatever the facet is whether it's sort of like a folksy indie you know kid on a banjo or like somebody that's trying to like cartel madras trying to do sort of like shock rap type of this that and the other thing mm -hmm. you know conscious this or whatever it is whether it's painting street art fine art what you know there's so many people that i'm meeting already that not only have uh, desire but there's like the town there's also this feeling there's a block, that there's something holding somebody back. Mm -hmm. And it gets easy to like kind of dwell on that too much. Uh, 
and then just start hating on the situation. But, mm-hmm. you know, growing up here, what's your feeling like? I don't know if you want to stay specifically, let's say, in the hip hop culture of Calgary or the music world or art in general over the last, you know, 10 years or however long you've been kind of like building yourself up to get to where we are today. It's obviously changing, but, you know, what, what's your overall impression about them? Are you, are you optimistic? Is there something that oh, yeah. feel needs to happen? What's going I'm on? definitely like optimistic. I always said like, I think it was around 2016 or something when I felt like the, that that vibrancy spectrum was is, was growing. I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna grow with the city. You know what I mean? And like, I think it was 2016. Um, when they kind of coined Calgary being the music city or whatnot. So I just found that was a coincidence. And just like, I'm optimistic. I think we just got to keep keep the energy going, you know what I mean? In all facets, in all areas of cre- in that creative space, that multicultural space. Yeah, I think, I think Calgary has the potential to kind of, you know what I mean, be a little Vancouver, a little Toronto. A little, so we'll say we're a little Vancouver, but yeah. It's just a matter of, I think, us creatives to keep it going and, and break through doors and, and barriers and roadblocks that are up, right? And every individual thing has its own little barriers, right? And individually, people are gonna have to break down those barriers, you know what I mean? We can even go with Toronto and, and rap, you know what I mean? In Juno's, they weren't even giving certain love to the rap category and they had to break, the rascals had to break down certain barriers and be like, yo, we don't want your award and for them to get some love. and. That, like even just that whole story. So uh, those types of things. But I think it's it's going in the right direction. Uh, it's interesting how like so much of human social sort of, No, what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, Express yourself. Sometimes this idea of uh, change and conflict and having to kind of kind of like push against something. Yeah, you're always gonna get a little friction. Yeah, that's kind of how things are made and, and the beauty of it all right Power so in that context i mean like let's look at this album that you just released mm-hmm. yeah talk to me about it what's your development as a soul artist how does soul food come together it's definitely been some layers there's been it's growth i think soul food the audiobiography for me is just the opportunity for me to really grow into this space of who who i'm becoming and, and really just nurture it and own in on it I consider my life to be my music and my music to be my life. And it's easy to glorify and do the glitz and the glam and hype up your life or hype up who you really are. But for me, I'm trying to like, with this album, just be a, build a little layer of transparency, vulnerability, just kind of, you know, my thing I'm coining right now is, is creating, connecting and conversating. But yeah, Soul Food, nonetheless, is an album project just, just kind of about my life and kind of trying to fill a void that I feel is where something's lacking. And that is like I was saying before, a lot of hip hop is just, this, this current state of hip hop is it's fast food. It's very fast paced. We can go to McDonald's right now, you know, hum and haw over a Big Mac and shit looks good, tastes good real quick. But, you know, a couple minutes after that, you're going straight to the sh- shitter, you know what I mean? Or what, you know what I mean? So it's like, What's really what's really good for you? Is it good in the what's good for you in the moment, or what's good for you for on a longer on a, that's long lasting? You like you what's so basically soul food is just trying to fill this void with some substance. You know what I mean? Trying to shape the la- like switch up the landscape a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm like some 
you know, I just as, as an artist, I have a voice, and that's kind of like what I want to use my voice for right now is just to kind of just add a layer of substance and uh, authenticity, you know, because I think substance and authenticity is heavily lacking right now with, with hip hop. And that's uh, to go back, that's why I really don't even want to be considered like a, a rapper, you know. There's just nothing there. It's just, you know, this whole brand that I'm moving with, which is like the extraordinary people world, is just about embracing yourself. So that's kind of like what Soul Food is, is all about. It's just my life, it's the landscape of what hip hop is going on with right now. This is where Soul Food, the audio biography, comes to be. Uh, like listening to this, thinking about vulnerability, authenticity, consciousness, mm -hmm. soul. You know, comparison between this idea of needing something for immediate gratification and this long-term view mm -hmm. of gratitude. These are fascinating concepts. These are big concepts mm -hmm. that, um, at least, I don't know, maybe it's too stereotypical to just say, for example, like, you know, you got to be old, you got to be beaten down weather to start getting that kind of like perspective. But um, I don't know, do you think there's something in your life i mean I, I don't know how old like how old are you 27 27 so in my opinion you're still a baby but yeah you know, i know you've been through some 27 you're not you're not a kid, kid mm -hmm. what is it that's giving you this context i mean for me i'm 41 and for me it took bottoming out you know just destroying my life and waking up completely delusional selfish and kind of self-absorbed and even over the last couple of years of that realization it's a daily struggle right it's like of course I, I gotta wake up and pep talk myself to go do something good and help somebody yeah otherwise i'll just tell people to uh go fuck that's the thing is it's so easy to vibe off that energy and thrive off that energy because I think what's constantly out here uh, in the world is just this ball of negative energy, um, this hype train, this like superficial shit uh, where, you know, you got to mask your feelings, mask who you are. Um, and I think we all go through this in one way or another. It's different for everybody. And with the extraordinary people, it's just about nurturing who you are and not letting this world dictate that for you. For me though, at 27, I don't know, I'm an old soul, man. My next project is called Old Soul Young Spirit, but in a different language. I feel like sometimes I've been here before and I'm just going through life again with a different perspective. So for me being young, I just kind of trying to fill this space that I feel is, is needed with the space of like love and nourishment and spirituality, you know, and again, authenticity and this vulnerability and just trying to nurture who I am as a person um, and realizing that you don't really gotta like fake it to make it, although that's what they say. You're either, that's, you know, what's it's all about what's feeding your soul right so i think for me what feeds my soul at this time is just like family love and just growth you know you can go make a, a nice little chicken noodle soup or you know some type of nice dish but you can also just go to run to this fast food you join and get something real quick so it's, it's about what what do we really want, right? And trying to decipher what, what's our wants and what our needs are. I'm still learning. Everything is, is, is a learning process. Trying to feel like I have to keep up with this, this trend or this cycle or this hamster ball, hamster wheel, whatever. That's just continuing, going, going, going. Sometimes you just got to hop off that wheel. And us as human beings are on this hamster wheel and we're just continually going, 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 going.
So I'm just trying to find a balance between, you know, life. And I think too much of anything is good for nothing. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's all about consciousness and, and spirituality and all these things, but I think it's important. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, so you're asking the, the question, what is it really all for? Right. Now, there's no single answer, and that answer obviously evolves, but as you build a project like this and put all your energy into something like that, and it's not just like you're, you know, this project is clearly not just you showing up at a recording studio right now, some lines, and, and, you know, it seems to be a little bit more in a, in a lifestyle approach. But, I mean, what are you getting, what, what, is there something you would say that in this particular project you've gotten feedback? Like, is there something that you think you can point? Is there an anecdote? Is there some some sort of relational thing that's happened that you can point to that might demonstrate to anyone listening right now that that this pursuit of yours isn't just you know rhetoric. It's not just because it's hip to say uh, mm -hmm. that we gotta you know be nice people. But you know what, what's it been like doing this? Is it? It's crazy? a struggle, man. Like like you're saying, like the. It's so easy, like when I was younger, you kind of life beats you up, right? You got choices, we have all have choices. It's like, what direction do we want to go? And um, like my last project before Soul Food was Nox, which means darkness in Latin. And you know, I've been to my dark places. And at that point I had to figure out, you know, in all this darkness, am I gonna continue to just absorb what I'm, what's around me or am I gonna try and seek that light at the end of the tunnel and just go for that? I just find more joy and I think it feeds the soul more when, you, when, you're, when you're embodying this, this love and this energy of positivity versus, you know, waking up in this type of cycle, this negative cycle of feeling like you have to go to work and, and then go party and live it up the two days that you have off. and Or you know what I mean? You work, 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 and you feel like you gotta go spend a hundred grand over at the club or buy this nice chain or so forth, whatever it may be for the said person. For me, like, I guess, basically, I think what people are mainly, what I'm getting back from the project right now is, is just, very carefree and very just like authentic so i think people can relate to it really you know what i mean there's always that layer and i think i go below the layer of just you know what's on the surface i think people just appreciate that yeah i think i definitely agree with that i mean i think the concept as a principle of vulnerability and authenticity and spiritualism consciousness the power is in that in the empathy and in the connection. But I wonder maybe as a contrast, I mean, you know, what is the dark spot? What do you think in contrast to where you're at now can give us an idea of... Well, for me, like I could have, I could have been, I don't know, I think just the way I grew up, I definitely feel things and I see things a lot differently than people do. I'd rather be my best friend than my own worst enemy. Um, sometimes it's easy to get go get around life and you know with that fuck the world mentality and yeah you can go through life that way but you know I don't think at the end of the day when you before you're dead and gone or you know when you really have to self-reflect that you're gonna be happy with yourself you know when you really embody what this soul food thing is about and like 
really going in on who you are and what feeds your soul personally, because it's different for everybody. I think that's when, you know what I mean, you really get the opportunity to appreciate life and finding your purpose. So I'm really just, I've, I've been through shit. I've been through dark moments, been through my shit. So I think in my music, music is my biggest therapy. I always say music is my therapy. So going through my life experiences, I put in the music and through that, I want to be able to help other people. Yeah, I don't know if there was any like one particular thing that happened to me to make me want to like flip the script or be like, okay, this is who I am now. But you know, it's taking a moment. I'm just like trying to like, listen to what really feeds my soul. I want something that's nourishing, something that, that that's gonna make me feel good, not for the moment, but on a long, long, longer scale, long term, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I used to get up and feel like, you know, scream and fuck the world, and I used to have my, my days of being, you know, I guess rebellious and just not giving a fuck, but I don't know, I get something out of the ability of being able to help people and just, I don't know, I move off that energy. Yeah, that's what feeds my soul, just, yeah. Helping others, spreading this love, and, and uh, trying to switch the spectrum, or just the, the way of thinking, which is like right now, it's just very fast, fast paced, so. Well, yeah. let's kind of switch gears then. I mean, bringing that then to the production, mm -hmm. the build this, I mean, I, Talk to me quickly about how do you how do you make an album? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It takes a long time for me. Like I can't. It took me. This is the longest project I think I've taken to put together. I think a lot, of, largely, just because it, it is my life, and it, you can't really just quickly write a sixteen off of things that you're like going through. And like for me, every word means something. Every word has has a. A key reason for why it's there and like music production wise for this project I wanted to like balance between the old school and the new school basically I just laid some skeletons ideas down and then I'm I work with like my band members extraordinary gentlemen we did quite a bit of like live recording and tracking with like guitar and trumpet and trombone just to kind of give it that more more flavor give it that substance musically you know what I mean because lyrics is one thing but Musically, you know, again, there's a lot of sampling, there's a lot of flips, there's a lot of so on. And so I just wanted to kind of add some tangible, something that feels good. Because, you know, when you're playing live too, you know what I mean? You definitely can get a sense when you're playing with live instruments. There's a certain energy when there's people playing these instruments versus a DJ just playing a track. I hated the most of that era is uh, when DJs became guys on an electric fucking it was like an iPod mm -hmm. and they just press play and then they dance and wear outrageous costumes but yeah. uh, <laughs> now I'm just being a hater the production for the album the music you were writing it yeah so I mean yeah I write all my own stuff I produce all my own stuff there's one track on there I think it's number nine which is called Feed Me which was co-produced by a friend named Pioneer so like I, I don't always produce on my own I like to you know add my own flavor and like collaborate co-collab or co-produce so that's what I did for that one record but yeah other than that it's mainly just myself and in the studio and just working yeah it's, it's fun for me anyways as someone who's never done it before imagining you know like 
And it's going to be different product chart by track artist by artist book. Are you showing up, you know, with your lyrics? Do you have an idea of what you want to do? Like what kind of tempo, what kind of energy you want to hit? Does it come it's, naturally as you start? Yeah, I'd say like it, was, it just comes naturally. Every record, I feel like it just, it, to be honest, I don't really think I'm like a great writer. Things just kind of manifest and come out on its own. And it's different every time. So it could be just like a beat that inspires something. And then you just kind of go and see where it takes you. This project, I did write a, quite a few records, but not all of them like made it to the project. It's, it's fun to hear that. I mean, not all artists that I've met uh, are that intuitive. I think we all intend to be. Um, there's something that's important about the intuition in art. But there's so much intent too, where people are like trying to play to a flavor or like to hit a yeah. note. Or to like, you know, I know this is gonna hit, or I know this is gonna be what feeds into, let's say, the club scene, or mm -hmm. or this scene, or whatever it is. How much influence, especially for this project, Soul Food, it sounds so personal. It sounds, you know, with the intent being um, the slow things down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, where, where'd you put yourself on that scale? I mean, how much of it is this big map and this like project where I know I want to start my journey by like kind of like a diary of how I want to, you know, progress? I think it was different layers and then you just, I just put it together. So it's like different things at different times. Sometimes I guess I'm writing things that are not necessarily like I'm going through right now, but it might have been something that happened a year ago. But for the most part, I think it's accumulative to like what I'm going through and who I am as a person right now. A lot of us look at certain people and we want to see people in a certain way and in a certain light. And it's like, hey, well, what, what if I told you I'm not who you want me to be? You know what I mean? Are you going to still be down with me? And then sometimes too, like you'll produce something and you don't finish it till like six months down the road or yeah, like for one record, Don't Blow My High, I actually wrote that to a different beat, but the lyrics still held its weight and it still resonated. So I was like, just polished it up a little bit. And then it somehow it just felt even way better over the new stuff. So it's just, you take from old stuff, you pull from the new stuff, you, you just, yeah, just go with that intuition, what feels good, try and tune in, you know what I mean? It's, it is hard to tune in sometimes. For me, I'm like, I'm just gonna create something that feels good to me. And with that, I'm sure it'll feel good to other people. And, and with that, it's like, hey, if it feels good. I think they'll, they'll respond to it. I just wanna give some substance, you know what I mean? Just balance out the landscape a little bit. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. I like, you know, I like his, uh, yeah, story, anecdote, whatever, but mm -hmm. don't blow my eye. How a project will feel right, and but that context will change if you're open enough to want to feel different things through it, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it ties into the second part, which is what is your intent in writing this record? What is your intent of being an artist? What is your intent of, let's say, being a musician, for example? If it's not about record sales and being number one on Spotify, uh, then I would assume, maybe naively, that it makes your ears more open. Open? Yeah. So in terms of what? To like be able to try to be in tune with that intuitive feeling for yourself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's easier to shut it off and it's like, yo, well, that's not going to sound cool. They let 808s sound like this or hi-hats need to be tripled up here like that and it needs to break down here. and. 
12 watts not enough trap and that's you every artist is their own and not to hate or knock like i think there's there's a landscape and there's room for everybody but i think there's just too much right now of this over it's like hip-hop is oversaturated with fast food and just like nothingness to be honest like i'll turn up to some whatever you want to call it migos every now and again like it's not to sound like uh, this is the only way to be and be conscious and uh, like you have some fun it's all about having fun and we all have fun in different ways but it's just like going back to too much of anything is good for nothing i think that's like a jamaican proverb that you know my dad always used to say or you know told me when i was younger what was it again um too much of anything is good for nothing you know what i mean and that can go for water that can go for just many different things if you have you just have one and of one thing only, you know what I mean? You're gonna, you're gonna damage yourself. I was reading recently, um, I don't remember what, probably read it. Yeah. The context of the article and the discussion was human beings' relationship with death, wisdom, aging, etc. I mean, as we mm-hmm. talked in pre chat, I don't know if I'll keep it in here, but uh, you know, recently I'm going through some health problems. Having to uh, recontextualize myself mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with the knowledge that a little melodramatically, but you know, like we could be talking here and I might fall down and die. Uh, but it brought this interesting idea that in North America, in particular, culture's gotten a little screwed up, where people are afraid of aging and afraid of the elderly. So people uh, compartmentalize either, I mean, not just the the sort of like easy scapegoat of like the old age home, et cetera, but, um, you know, even this idea of space and like, you know, your parents, they live on a separate, you know, plantation, you know, a separate house Mm -hmm. and then the elderly live in a separate room and this Mm -hmm. person's separate, separate, separate. But you go into these older cultures in Asia, Africa, even Europe, everybody stays together, right? Yeah. And then what happens there is, the young see the people aging, and they see, according to this article, I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't want to make this my wisdom. But. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I believe it. I see where you're going with it. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, so like I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking Jamaican, sorry, what was the island again? Uh, Guyana and, and Guyana, Nevis. I know. St. Kitts and Nevis is the other St. one. St. Kitts and Nevis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder, I'm listening to you and growing up with your family and seeing it and getting these problems from your dad, and you actually listen to them. I mean, whether it was done in a pleasant way when you hear it or not, or whether you, you know, uh, you the pick first it up time, later, yeah. yeah, the first time your dad gives you some wisdom, you tell him to go fuck or something. But, you know, <laughs> over time, you have an open ear and a respect for your family that, like, you know, you quoted me a proverb about sort of uh, moderation, right? Yeah. Um, and you don't hear that a lot from 25-year-old kids, uh, and I'll overgeneralize, and this will be counter-racist, but yeah. 25-year-old kids who grew up in, in a family that... Uh, they don't respect wisdom and age and culture. Well, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you get into that uh, that allegory that you want uh, with the fast food. Because if you don't have that age, culture, and soul food idea, if, it, if your grandmother isn't preparing, in my case, like Korean dumplings. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to try and come up with a Korean. And I'm yeah. like, what do well, yeah, you guys eat? Dumplings. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, you're doing your Monday festival or whatever. And, uh-huh. uh, and you know, my family is very westernized, so... It's not like we're traditional, traditional, but I have memories as a kid of, you know, my grandma, yes. you know, folding stuff with their yeah. and getting it. 
But it, the farther you separate from that, the quicker you lose yourself. And then the Straight up. you end up into fast food. You're eating else. Yeah, you eat out. You don't need, you lost yourself. You ain't eat. But yeah, you gotta, you need your roots, man. Like it, they, there's a saying, I, I don't, I don't want to mess it up, but it's like a tree without roots is like a, a, a I, I can't remember the exact, the exact quote, but it's a Marcus Garvey quote. But it's just about how you need to like be in tune with your roots. It's easy to, for the cycle that's going on right now with this social media, like, you know, kids aren't being raised by their parents, so kids are being raised by society. And based on whatever society, however society wants to raise your kids, that's how your kids are gonna be raised. Like, I have, like, my first, like, I just had a, a son, Akari, who's six months now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, like, the life that he's gonna be going through. But, like, things are getting more crazier. This, this, advancements of technology is just like at a fast pace and yeah it looks cool and it's great and you can do this and you can do that but a part of us are losing our roots and so the more west we come the more we, we we lose our roots and i think a lot of what's popular right now it has nothing to do with our root it would be nice like i think when you're younger seeing these things experiencing these things yeah they have a major effect on your psyche and, and how you look at other elderly people how you treat those people and yeah like i used to tell my mom like she used to get mad at me like oh you gotta need to get out of my house and like mom you gotta watch how you talk because it's like once a man twice a child you think just because you're 50 your life is like you know get out of my house it was like who's wiping your ass when you're 80 you know what I mean? Who's feeding you when you're 95? And it's just tying in with those roots and being in tune. Some of us just don't even realize, like, being at 50, that's something to still be appreciative about. Or, you know, looking, like you're saying, I'm watching your mom and your grandma make those dumplings, you know? You need that. A lot of families right now, they're not passing down those traditions. So you're you're losing that a lot. And uh, yeah, the more these types of situations happen, the more we distance ourselves from the root and who we are and where we came from. Like a lot of people just think we just came here from Canada. Like, you know, Canada just landed here and this is Canada and we do. And it's like, nah, you got to go back and do your history. How did all this develop? Things were much simpler at one time or another, you know? And uh, there's that whole idea of are we, are us as a civilization, us as humans, are we getting to a point of like, destroying ourselves, you know what I mean? And losing ourselves. And I think it has that potential. But again, that's why you gotta find the things that really feed your soul. Yeah, to answer your question, it, it, it's tough trying to find this balance. And I'm always telling my mom like, yo, I need to learn how to make that roti. I need to learn how to make this and that. And it's like, cause as soon as, you know what I mean? If I don't lose, if I don't learn it, it's gone. The Kyrie, you know what I mean? My son, it's like, well, where, where, what is he gonna have to, you know, Western food, mac and cheese. That's what, no, I know how to make the best mac and cheese. Like my dad taught me how to make, no, like in West Indian tradition and I'm sure in Korean traditions, you have certain dishes you make at certain times of the year and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you can't just lose all that, you know? And, and it is up to the elderly to, to, and just as much the younger kids to want that, but it's hard sometimes when society is like, has this pull and Instagram and, you know, this, this, this whole thing of, self-absorbance and you know sticking a camera in your face and Speaking taking a hundred pictures and you gotta go through you know what i mean and it's making people depressed and it's making people feel above themselves and it's just all these types of elements that you bring in and it's like 
you could see why those things are happening, right? Ego is we're describing it with the selfishness, self-absorbed, this uh, blindness to history, culture, relationships. Mm -hmm. And even outside of the sort of familiar structures you brought up, you know, uh, socially. That's a, that's a tough one, man, because that's like asking people to break through their own denial and their own glasses and all that kind of, you know? Mm, it's tough. And that's why I'm saying, like, if I could do that with the music or just try and, you know, if somebody hears something and it's just like... This, you know, so I've been hanging out too with, with artists and poets, writers, thinkers, creators, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. One of the things I've been thinking a lot about is this, you know, semantics, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what are these words that we use? Maybe? I mean, even the word ego means something different, I think, today than it did when Freud coined it. Mm -hmm. Success means something different. Soul mm -hmm. means something. Consciousness mm -hmm. means something mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. than the last 15 mm -hmm. years. Right? Um, That's a good point. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I wonder, as a challenge, uh, how do we look at this to develop not just how you're going to speak through music, but how do you speak to your son, mm -hmm. and whatever progeny you have, if you have more in the future, to mm -hmm. to the men and women in your life, to to all of like to nature. Like, what are the words that we need to be mindful of using from from now on that we can communicate that with? Because I think that's going to be my job. Yeah, I think before. it's all of our jobs. Yeah. It's the toughest job because there's so much distraction and temptation out here right now more than ever and that's something that i like not dreading or daunting but i know it's going to come a point where yeah everything that i say and do my son's going to be looking at me and either going to take it in some context right and i just want to make sure that what he's taking it he can at least take it in the right way you know and planting these seeds right it's for them to grow in him himself you know what i mean that's a tough task you can only do so much, and then when you stick them out in the world, you're getting pulled all over the place. So yeah, it's it's tough. And you some there's some parents that feel like they've done all they could and done their best and did this and I did that and I did that so that wouldn't happen and then boom, it's inevitable. There's nothing I could have done. It's tough. It's one of those I don't know catch 22s. That's what you want to call it. I think is is as long as our intentions are 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 good, I think that's the main starting point is intention um, and then from there I think one of the things I'm learning in my older age particularly after having a kid um, but you know unlike you uh, you know so I, I, I uh, bring up my family but I mean I, I didn't really see them until my you know late 30s mm -hmm. just because I was so self-absorbed mm -hmm. But one of the blessings and miracles of my life right now is that it wasn't a relationship that was dis it, 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 the relationship still exists. Yeah. I've been able to see this thing um, and connect with them, get a context and a perspective like you just brought up. Mm -hmm. What might it have been like for your mother to be raising your family in the conditions that they were traveling this way, that, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't appreciate my family nearly, never mind, not at all, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm opening that book and trying to learn and understand them and love them, etc. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've come to realize, I think for myself, is uh, the more I separate myself from this idea that I can control where my son is supposed to be, what he's supposed to experience, or who he's supposed to become, and more just like try to be that person that I hope that he wants to be. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that's all you can do is just the intent. Uh, try and be an example enough 
to not shove it down their throat. You don't want to shove it down their throat. You want to, one thing I learned, it's easy to just uh, drop the hammer, but I think us as kids at any point in our age in our life, it's like when you're told something not to do something, you know, you for whatever psychological reason, you're highly more inclined to do it just for the sake of doing it. You have to. So it's like, I think for me, it's like, it's not, it's learning how to not tell my, you know, my, my son like, no. And, and trying to give him the opportunity to discover things on his own and use his own brain and, and come to these decisions and learn, well, okay, well, I shouldn't do this because so-and-so. So I think for me, that's gonna be the toughest thing is trying to reason and, and, and create that space where it's like, hey, you know, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, and okay, if you wanna continue to do that, you're gonna have to learn the hard way. And you know, all these types of things do time you know you just can hope that it did what it needed to do or you've done your job right but uh yeah it's one of those things i think having a child and down the road and thinking about who they become or who they they will be is it's 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 tough to to see that and and it's like life is just it's it's mysterious so you know i don't know it's you never really know right all right so just to wrap up i mean how's how's Sofa going how's the response been Social media makes it sound like you're blowing up. How you feeling? Uh, I don't know, man. That's the thing. Don't want to get too caught up with social media. Sometimes that shit will suck you in. But it's going well. Like, I'm just gonna keep it positive. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to go drag it down. But at the end of the day, like for the most part, more than anything, I feel like this project has been the most like receptive. A lot of people have been telling me like. Yeah, they have their songs that they like. This is the one project where the album where it's like I feel like okay. I did what I had to do. It's out there. It feels good. There's, of course, every project you know have your 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 negatives or your critiques, but uh, it's definitely been a good response. People have been receptive, and I think everything that I needed to do was was done. So I got to give myself a little bit of pat on the back for that, and not be too hard on myself. It's been marinating for so long. It's time to serve it, and it's just a matter of how people digest it right and i'm not gonna find out right away but i, I think right now it's, it's a good feeling and uh, I, I just want to stay as humble as i can as, at the end of the day because i've always i don't know i'm very intuitive very intellectual and a lot of things i see before they happen as weird as that wants to sound yeah so i just gotta stay stay grounded you know what i mean i don't i don't want to get too gassed on the hype or anything like that and uh it's just, just one one project so i think part of me is like Time to get to the next one, you know. Yeah, what I mean? what's, so, what's next? I mean, not necessarily next, next, like you gotta chase, but what, like, what, no, what's right now I'm on? learning that, like, you know, within my family now, I gotta balance it out. I gotta practice what I preach. So, you know, I live this music like constantly every day. I eat, sleep, and breathe it. And so now it's about getting, becoming a little bit more selfless. I have a son, so I have to, you know, be that caretaker, that provider. You know, there's things that the music needs and is calling and asking for, but I gotta realize that, hey, I kind of have control over, you know, how and when things happen. And if it doesn't happen exactly how I want it, it's not the end of the world. But uh, what's next, man? Um, just trying to solidify what's like what I've been building on. This year, I told myself I'm just really trying to establish myself. I think a lot of people know of me or are aware of me, but there's, there's this icebreaker that's going to need to happen in the next little bit here for people to kind of be like, oh, OK. So. And that could be through many different ways. Soul Food is really, the audio biography is just meant to be the appetizer. 
So it's really just an appetizer. And right now I'm trying to put together and um, master what this main course is going to be about. As this project's 14 songs in, it's like it's about narrowing down and, and, and cutting the fat and, and really honing in on, on some nice substance, some nice something, a meal you can really take in. It doesn't have to be a ton of songs, but it's really just about trying to create bodies of work now. So I have a, quite a bit of music. And so it's just a matter of seeing what fits and kind of listening to that intuition again and seeing what, what, what comes to be. Yeah, soul food is, is, is just the beginning, I feel like. so. From what I can see, there's a traditional aspect to your approach, uh, becoming an artist and me doing gigs here. Uh, you got the social media game, you got marketing, you've got a, a firm behind you mm -hmm. to back you up, some people. Uh, you're at SLED, so you know, you're getting represented, you're doing this SLED, the other mm -hmm. thing. Um, but as a final thought, looking at the Calgary music scene in general, is there something that you feel like we need to do different? I mean, it's a big, wide question. It's a good question, and it's a tough question. I don't know, every time people always mention Calgary, it's like, I don't know, I don't have the answer. No, I feel like, like, I feel like it's tough. I feel like... We can't solve it in a podcast. Yeah, you can't solve it in a podcast, but you can definitely plant some seeds, you can throw some ideas. So, like, for me, is there something that needs to be changed or something that's missing? Hmm. Just, I think, a little bit more of the genuine support real support versus the hype support the coattail support i think we just need to continue to create and again it's just there's going to be that moment where we're going to have an opportunity to push through and if we're ready to push through then it's that's well, what we, we can do break yeah connect yeah just breaking the barriers networking and yeah doing those spontaneous unique things where it's like you wouldn't think this person and that person would go together but you're fucking out of your mind that's exactly what they need that's for culture. things to grow you know yeah exactly so i keep like i keep looking at and now we're just babbling but like i'm on reddit too much but uh, one of the subreddits i'm on is random acts of music most of it happens in new york of course but like you know someone just walk up to a busker and all of a sudden there's like a, a saxophone battle or like uh, two mcs hidden up for you know, on, on a train mm -hmm. Flash mobs or stuff here. You know what? I mean, it's funny you say that. Um, I was just talking to the gents, and it's exactly what I'm trying to somewhat do. Um, what I want to do, raw, not too overproduced, and yeah, just pull up in random spots. Bring it. They do this in Toronto all the time. You pull up, walk across Dundas, there's always a few guys playing. Um, and just, yeah, having these unique experiences where it's not like just playing the music but you get the beginning of it the plugging in and the you know what i mean you can really absorb what's going on i think that that like transparency and just that vulnerability again is just like throwing yourself out there i think it's just like i think people enjoy that it's funny that you say come, that come sit down and have a coffee with me I have half a mind now to build my podcast around uh, never doing a one-on-one -on -one anymore and just having some random fucking like a painter uh -huh. and the three of us have to talk about some emotion. Yeah, that's cool too. That, those are great good conversations. You learn things that way. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Anyways, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, man. Thank I you. Really appreciate it, dude. Album's yeah. dope. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. I don't know how to conclude these ever. So good, good, good work. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, yo, feed your soul and uh, whatever that it consists of, just, yeah, nourish your, your mind, body, spirit.
Much love. This episode's sponsorship message is from the Alberta Blue Cross Summit, a day to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness at work. Hear what Linda Crawford of Alberta Blue Cross had to say about the summit. You know, Alberta Blue Cross really wants to support people. We truly, truly are moving the needle in a way that we want to make an impact. And so, you know, coming to even a first ever event is always fun. You can always now be able to say, hey, I was at that event. And our intention is to really leverage and scale this on an annual basis. So why not come and be that first pioneer and leader that raises their hand and says, you know what, this sounds fantastic. I want to be part of this movement, the energy that's going to happen there. Sign me up. The summit's happening October 10th at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel. Sign up at the wellnesssummit.ca Thank you to every single person that made this project